Welcome to Origins, the podcast about the money behind the money. This podcast was created by Notation, a pre-seed venture firm based in Brooklyn, New York. Beezer Clarkson is a partner at Sapphire Partners, where she leads investments in venture funds domestically and internationally. Prior to joining Sapphire in 2012, Beezer managed the day-to-day operations of the Draper Fisher Jurbitson Global Network which then had $7 billion under management across 16 venture funds worldwide. In 2016, Beezer led the launch of OpenLP, an effort to help foster greater understanding in the entrepreneur-to-LP tech ecosystem. You can learn more at openlp.sapphireventures.com. In this episode of Origins, Beezer and I are going to do a deep dive on the current state of the market across the LP and venture ecosystem. Hope you enjoy. Beezer. Nick. Great to have you here. The purpose of this episode is we're going to take a a deep dive into the market right now, which um, is decidedly confusing for perhaps everyone in it. And hopefully you... And then maybe me a little bit at the end are going to share some light on 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 what we're what we're seeing in it. Um, so thank you for for doing this. And I think the best place to start is: could you just like give us a sense of where you think we are? Well, first, thank you for having me back. It's always an honor and a privilege, and always super fun to chat. And I'm excited to make this a conversation and compare what what we're seeing on the LP side of the world to what you're seeing on the ground. Is there you know, two different halves to the whole. And then I guess two different halves to the triangle that meets the entrepreneur. But um, where are we at? I like what you said about being confusing because we pulled down the first half numbers and there's been more money raised by venture funds in 2022, so far according to PitchBook, than in 2021. And that sounds just so hard to square with what we're seeing with the world slowing down so much, you know, in the macro, as well as the specifics in the venture world, it feels very weird that all this money has been raised and yet, and yet things are slow and the stock market is, you know, the IPO market's shut, things are tougher. Um, And it's also not, and it's all, it's what people know, or if they haven't read the reports from PitchBook, that money's all going into very large funds. The reason why it's more this year than last year is because, you know, Tiger raised almost 13 billion and people have come back. And this was all very first part of the year driven off of momentum from last year. Um, but even the first time fund numbers at the top line don't look like they're trending the same as last year, which again feels very discordant with how it's actually being deployed right now on the ground. So I think it's I think it is confusing. So Tiger and the Tiger Fund, that was raised at the beginning of this year. Yeah, there were a lot of very big funds raised, either Q1. Or Q2, but there were, you know, Battery just raised a ton of money and Dreesen has raised very large funds. So you're seeing you're seeing the mega funds get more mega. Tiger deployed all of that money already, basically. That I can't speak to, not not being a Tiger LP and also just there's been different reports as to where they are at. But they raised a fund last in 2021, according to PitchBook, and they raised a larger fund in 2022. Right. So presumably they met. They had to deploy capital somewhere to raise again. Yeah. So there's a lot of dry powder. So the numbers, I guess you're saying like, and maybe they're also sort of skewed given all those funds raised at the beginning of the year, but right before the market sort of collapsed. Yes. I think not to jump to the end of the podcast now, but I think what you're seeing in the first half of the year, there'll be some consistent trend lines over the second half, but you'll see a lot of the other things trade out. Meaning I think there's been an LP uh, I wouldn't say return to names they know. Names have been invested in, people with established track records, folks have invested in a downturn and have done so profitably, which which presumes people have been investing for a while. So I think it is going to be much harder for newer funds to fundraise now right. into the next part of the year. We're also hearing about funds that are not necessarily newer, they're not necessarily emerging managers, but for whatever reason, haven't returned a bunch of money during the bull market. I think it's going to be tougher sledding for them. So I think just because a lot of dollars were raised in the beginning of the year does not mean everyone's going to be able to fundraise the second half of the year. I think LPs are 
reflecting and recalibrating, digesting. As one said to me, it's been a lot of inhale over the last few years, and now it's an exhale. Like what's happening in our portfolio? Where are the valuations? We can dig into this or not, but a lot of LP budgets do take liquidity into consideration, um, not just fund of funds, but also foundations and endowments. So if there's if the liquidity isn't coming back anytime soon, how does that impact budget setting? Um, there's the denominator effect in action for LP. So there's a lot going on that I think will create a slower, it, it left to their left to their own um, choice, a slower investment pace going forward for the next, I don't know, six, nine, 12 months than historic, especially from 2021, which was pretty off the charts as far right. as the, the pressure that LPs were feeling for funds coming back. When you say that they're going to stick with names they know, I mean, the only folks that have really been investing in the last downturn was like 2008, 2009, right? So like the firm had to sort of be around for the last 13 years to, to know whether or not there are any good investing in a downturn. Is that, is that right? I, I get your numbers add up. I think there's things that people will see because that, that does argue for a lot of funds not having that opportunity set. We had some mini hiccups in between. Right. Um, but there's other data points LPs can look at. But yeah, seeing somebody who's worked through a downturn is going to give some comfort. There could be managers who have spun out and are investing now. It's just not who they're sure. investing with before. So there's some of that yeah. in the mix. And you've seen that with some of the like, look at the, some of the first-time funds that have been raised this year. Um, Wesley Chan, right? Um, new fund for him, but not a new investor. Um, I'm sure there's others. Uh, so there's that that's going on. You also see people whose portfolios have been developed, right, over the last 12, 15 years. So maybe they haven't gone through a downturn, but their companies have had ups and downs. And have they understood how to manage a firm? Have they understood how to deploy capital and then get it back and return it? Like, these things will just be questions. And LPs will probably want to see how people understand it. It's um, there's a lot of momentum investing over the last two or three years, and there'll be questions around how that goes forward. Um, to the conversation you and I were having before we started recording, I just think there's more time to ask questions and to think about what's happening, which is not unnormal, right? This is what life was like before 2020, yeah. and I I think we're just kind of going back to that. I don't think we're going back to 2000 right. or 2009. Yeah. How about firms? You mentioned firms that have maybe been in market, you know, five, six, seven years, or let's say even shorter, three, four. Their data is sort of inconclusive. There hasn't been a lot of DPI or returns. Like, how do you evaluate that? And how do you think that gets evaluated going forward? And the last part of that is like, what do managers do to maybe get folks over the line when the data is not yet conclusive? Sure. Well, we can talk because I think it's a it's a, a subset of the LP world that invests in funds one through four to start, right? As a broad brush. But assuming yep. you're talking to LPs that play in that pool, they'll look they'll look to things that I don't think are different in, a, in I don't think are very different today than they were a year ago. I think they want to see for whatever investment strategy they're deploying against, is this manager still in that space? Because I think with sometimes what GPs uh, don't incorporate enough into their math. And they're talking to an LP that an LP has their own portfolio allocation strategy. So it's not just, do you have dollars, but does notation fit the strategy that Sapphire is looking to deploy against? So the LPs will obviously start there. And then how have you created your business? And what, what thesis did you have working? Was it a tiger is going to come in and market my six deals in two months? And that's my working thesis, which might not work as well say in Q4 of this year, hypothetically? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or is it a, I believe in this trend line and this trend line in the world at large is still playing out or this kind of entrepreneur and what's happening there? So I think those questions were the same questions as before, but they're going to may have a little bit more, um, looking for a little bit more insight. Why do you win? How do you win? Those questions are no different. And then how is your, how are your companies doing, right? Have you, we're seeing a lot of managers come back to us sort of like in the beginning of COVID, saying, here's our portfolio. Here's how much cash run where they have. Here's yep. how their business model may or may not be working in a world that's man that cares more about business fundamentals and business metrics. And here's how they're pivoting. I had a call earlier today with a manager whose company was like, this is just, it's just not going to work in this market. And we need to, we still believe in the opportunity. We just need a different go-to-market strategy. And the company's young enough that it can, I mean, hopefully fingers crossed, it'll figure it out. So I think there's a lot of that that goes into the assessing the, the newer funds. 
have they created a name for themselves? And I don't, I don't mean that in a, are you a brand that everybody knows, but are you pull for the entrepreneurs? Like the entrepreneurs that you want to be, that you want to invest with, do they care and like you and want to take your money? Mm-hmm. Does that feel, does that fit with your experience on the ground? Because you've got lots of GP friends, you're a GP. Does that resonate or is it, what else would you add? It, you know, it's funny. I, I, I think all that we've seen over the last few years is it's hard for me to think of a single time when, particularly with the institutions where a GP, that institution didn't re-up in the last few years. Like, I just can't think of many examples where if the VC at least did roughly what they said they were going to do and were a decent steward and didn't commit fraud, like the institution wouldn't re-up in the fund two or three. And so I think the question on my mind is just kind of what that looks like. And there's, there's definitely conversations amongst GPs that are fearful of that in a way that they, they weren't the last few years. Like, yeah, the data, we don't know quite yet. We'll see what happens. But like, they'll be in for the next fund. Like, we've done a decent job. So I, I think it's more of a question of like what that looks like over the next 6 to 12, 12 months. I think the caution is not unfounded. And we're still talking about funds that are, you know, one to four. So they're still institutionalized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, there could just be some triage, for lack of a better word, that's going to be going on for some LPs, right? Because if, if your publics are down and your privates, your private valuations move slower, there are definitely write downs happening in the private valuations, but they might not, it's hard to see them being as abrupt as if some, some sections of the stock market, um, which means you might just be having a liquidity squeeze. And then you'll have to choose amongst your managers. And then it goes back to what, what investment strategy are they trying to or return profile is an LP trying to get to? And who do they feel? I think you're you're right that LPs on the whole invest believing that they'll be there for multiple funds. I mean, that's the point, right? I think that's one of the yeah. differences in LP portfolio construction is that you might only have 20 or 25 names in your portfolio for decades. Right. Right, which is different from how GPs construct portfolios, where you get a new batch of capital every two to three years to do all new names. So it's it's just different math. And would an LP say they have to sit a fund out to wait for some more mature maturation in the portfolio? It does happen. Hmm. I don't. It's different for different LPs, but sometimes they just it's a it's a budget thing, or it's a we just don't know about this space right now, mm-hmm. or one of our more established funds that's given us back a lot of capital has come back and you have to choose what's your dollar, right? I mean, again, like some, I can't think of a single LP that has unlimited dollars because that's just right. not how money right. works. I've seen GPs starting to slow down their fundraising. And this is obviously tied to deployment and slowed down. So those go hand in hand. And I think there's also some level of exactly what you're saying, which is the, oh, maybe we don't want to push it and come back too soon. Hmm. And maybe we want to wait and give it another three to six months because our portfolio will be more developed. We can show X, Y, and Z. And this is not just an emerging manager phenomenon. We're seeing this with more established managers too. Because we can talk about this. Like the summer is an odd basket of signals to know exactly what's going to happen. And on any given day, the news in the macro world changes pretty significantly. So do you... Do you have that conversation in September or do you, can you, I don't want to say kick the can in a, in a making light of it, but do you wait and buy yourself some more time right. by moving a bit more slowly? So it sounds like where we are is a lot of money got raised in the Q1 of this year and the market macro at least fell apart a little bit in Q2. And I'm just reading through the lines here, but it sounds like the LP universe is a little bit in like kind of wait and see mode. Like, I guess my question would be for folks that are in your orbit or even for Sapphire, like what what changes do you think LPs are making right now based on what they do know about the market today? I think LPs are looking at their portfolio the same way GPs are looking at their portfolio and saying what's working, what isn't working, what do I believe to be true in the underlying portfolio companies, and this is why like the, the conversations right now in the LPACs and the update meetings is very much like, how is the health of the portfolio? Um, and then also what's going on for the GPs? There have been folks who have retired and people should be able to retire and it not be a issue, right? That's, we're, we're human. Um, and so you're seeing changes and there's definitely, this is not a, this is a less fun market, right? 
managing through a downturn is not the same thing as when everything's going up and to the right and nobody can do anything wrong. So there's going to be some people on the LP and GP side who might decide now is just, now's a good time to go. Mm -hmm. Why I'm struggling to say yes to wait and see is a little bit of a, well, things have to develop a bit. And so it's not, the summer is such an odd time because it is, it's been much, much slower. But the summer is usually slow. We just had an aberration in the last few years. So it's not, right. I know lots of people that don't fundraise during the summer from LPs because the LPs close. If you're a school, you're essentially closed. And it's not that people aren't doing their job. It's just there might not be investment committee meetings. Like there might not be these things because it is important to take vacation for your mental health. So I don't, it'll be interesting to see come the fall, but I I do think there's a lot of looking at the portfolio and trying to understand how much is there there mm-hmm. and how much look good or another way of saying it is how much TVPI was really noise versus signal because you had so much fast TVPI built over the last two years because of the fundraising being so on the company side so quick and how much of that is based on real business fundamentals and how much of that is, I hear this not, I see this on Twitter every day and I hear it in meetings, well, the company's raised two to three years worth of cash. So they're not going to raise, they're just going to build. Well, that's great. But now you don't really, it's fine, but you're not going to get more data points. Yeah. As a, com- as a company builds, you're going to get build data points. You're not going to get TVPI data points. Yeah. That's, that's totally fine. But then you just have to understand where the companies are at. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like TVPI was sort of like a lot of things during COVID kind of pulled forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My guess looks pretty flat or, or down the next couple of years. Yes. I think we'll see. Oh, we've already seen it. I mean, if for funds that are holding public stocks or public tokens, sure. there's there's been funds who have rotated down one or two turns already because you got to mark to market, um, which brings up a separate conversation of how many LPs wish people had distributed um, going with many. <laughs> which is whole, but this, these moments in time bring up the conversation around when, when do you distribute? But yes, I do think it's TVPI is going to be flat to down with there'll be some that aren't, but it wouldn't be surprising if it's flat. To yeah. So walk me through either Sapphire's business or an unnamed LP's business. And I guess walk me through what they're feeling from a portfolio and a portfolio construction perspective today and how those constraints might lead to decision-making over the next few quarters. So an LP, if you're if you're building a new platform of funds, it's much more akin to a GP having a new fund vehicle, right? So you're going to be doing a bunch of new names. Yeah, that's not that's more atypical than typical because most institutional LPs that people are looking to have invest have been investing for a while, so they're going to have 15 to 20 to 25 managers, and then for them understanding who they want to swap out, maybe they don't want to swap out any of them, and that will dictate how many new dollars are available. So you'll see as as LPs get more mature in their investment, they do fewer and fewer new net new managers to them. Now, some some funded funds will raise new vehicles, and that gives us some new capital. But generally speaking, it gets it's it's just harder. So LPs, I don't think that's any different today. There might be some more desire to rotate out of some managers, which could free up some capital, or there could be some new areas. You know, crypto is. I know it's crypto winter is going on, but there's definitely a new surge of LP interest over the last six to 12 months in understanding crypto. So you, we're seeing LPs make room for that in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Again, I'd love to have you come on that because you live in that space too. And then for LPs that have public exposure as well as private, this, this could be a tricky time because you will have to make choices, right? As to where the net new dollars come. And also part of the, because there's been such a rise up of TVPI, they, if they had anticipated saying 10% of their portfolio being in venture, it may have looked higher anyway, right? Because all the run-up over the last year, maybe it looked like 15%. So they were technically over-allocated. And then when you have the public's going down so sharply, it could even now look on paper like 20 or 25%. So right. I've had numerous conversations with the LPs over the last six months are basically like, the, the short way of saying is like, yeah, they're pausing. Like they're not trying to hunt down new managers. Mm-hmm. Maybe onesie twosies here and there, names that they've heard for whatever reason. But generally speaking, it's okay for things to be moving slower because they have to right size or, or rebalance what they have going on. Now, in theory, if we believe that TVPI, let's just say broadly in the market, is mismarked right now and actually should be much lower, then when you're thinking about their allocations across publics and privates, 
in theory, it actually might not be as misbalanced as as misbalanced as they as it looks on paper. If actually all the private marks do actually get marked to a place that are, are more accurate of the market, so are there LPs that are saying like, oh yeah, it's kind of twenty five percent, but really it's not because all our whole private portfolio should actually be marked lower than it is. Or do they just have to kind of like go by the book and it's like whatever it is on paper, that's what it is. I think I can't speak for other LPs processes. My suspicion is it's hard for people to say the numbers say one thing, but I'm going to as an institution say another, although if mm. the auditors say they can, I'm sure just a conversation with the auditors. What I can say is I've the gross majority of LPs in the rooms with GPs saying it's have a methodology for writing things down. Don't just sort of carte blanche say you're going to take hatchets the things, but it's okay if you write things down to reflect more of a reality, partially because I think exactly this, I think it helps release some of these pressures on the system because it helps bring things down to where they were. I think there's some reticence of GPs to do this because they feel like it might might be unfair to a company that's performing just because they raised two years in advance doesn't mean they're not performing. Or they're worried if they take their TVPI down, they will not be able to fundraise in the future, which I, that's not an invalid concern. It's just you also have to understand the LPs are already thinking that it's it's hard. I mean, there's public comps out there in certain areas like fintech in particular, right? Like when there's comps are way down or some of the areas of SaaS to then say, oh, but this private company that's raised billions of dollars ahead of what their revenue is, it is an impact. Like these are conversations for auditors, but it's also questions LPs have in their head too. So we're just seeing a very honest conversation with many of our managers on this, which we welcome. And then it, I'm going to quote a friend LP. LPs don't like bad surprises. It's okay to have good surprises, but the bad surprises <laughs> are painful. So I, I just encourage everyone to have the conversation. Um, I mean, we're not talking about if you just invested in a company and it's their pre-seed, like we're not talking about that. We're talking about people that have raised enough capital for there really to be some some sense of where the valuation is and where the company is. Yeah. Do you suspect, I mean, we're we're finishing Q2 books, but like, do you suspect a lot of the write-down, there'll be a lot of write-downs in Q2? I mean, based on yes. your conversations with managers, yeah. How do yes. you think about folks? Think, how do you think yeah. about folks that aren't writing down their portfolios in this market? It'd be helpful to understand why not. And again, if you are a brand new fund and you're making your first, like some of our, what you see in, is that managers are writing down companies that have had enough, say, I'm repeating myself so you can edit it out. But if you're a company, you can have early stage and late stage companies, even in an early stage portfolio. So if the company you just invested in, that's different than the one that's been raising their Series C. And so you're seeing people bifurcate that for, for all of the mathematical reasons why. Yeah. Right? You said this time feels a little different and not just a blip. And I, I know you're not a macroeconomist, so I won't put you on the spot. I don't expect to be put on the spot either. But I'm curious if you, you know, I know just crystal balling it for a second, like what, what do you think needs to get worked through the system for the market to start feeling like healthier and back on the upswing again? The venture market, right? Yeah. Please like what, what do you think market. needs okay. to happen in venture over, let's say, the next couple quarters or the next year or the next two weeks that would <laughs> enable the market to start feeling healthier and back on the up and up? I think from conversation, if I was to generalize the conversations I've had with LPs, they would they would be very supportive of funds going back to a two and a half, call it three-year fundraising momentum. So I think if people... But I know there's a pull on the other side, which is the entrepreneur side. So that's a question I'm going to ask you. So I think that would help. Didn't it used to be four? It Totally, totally. But also the deployment pace- Even two less. and a half sounds quick. It is quick yeah. in many ways. Because time, di- and it's not just, it's because time diversity is useful, right? And you can see it in your portfolio and you can see it in how the companies build and LPs see it and not. So I think LPs would be, Again, I've, I've seen them being nothing but supportive of this. And some businesses, maybe it doesn't work for a portfolio strategy, but generally speaking, going back to that kind of pacing, yep. and that allows for the companies to develop. So that would mean, yeah, like things would get rebalanced and it wouldn't be the same push. Mm. And some LPs might like the staple of growth and opportunity funds. I think there's a whole host of them. I think when you're trying to work with a manager for the first time, that can provide pathway in. But for a lot of other LPs, I think that would be just fine if people also kind of considered what swim lanes they want to be in. And if you're early stage, being more early stage and not having some of these other pockets, 
there's a survey, I think it was the RAISE conference that just put out where they, this was a very clear trend that LPs were saying, which was pick your swim lane and please stay in it because I'm picking you for your swim lane. And when you move swim lanes, it wags me around. So these aren't really dollar deployments. I mean, there's so much dry powder out there that would take quite a while to go through. And it would also, it's, it's, it's very, the, the dry powder sits in the very large funds. You don't have a bunch of smaller funds that have raised billions of dollars of dry powder. So that working through that is going to also have a different. Yeah. So in other words, I'm hearing like if, if, if the market, let's just say on average, goes from a year, a year and a half to two and a half to three years fund deployment, that lowers the commitment amounts effectively for LPs, lowers some of the indigestion, frees up some capital for them. And you can start seeing a world in which maybe they even think about new managers and growing the portfolio if their commitments to their existing folks slow down effectively. Correct. Because what you were seeing LPs doing, and I still see it doing people doing it this year, was if you if you and Nick are going to fundraise for me once a, once a year instead of once every three years, I'm going to cut my check in a third. Because in my portfolio, I still want you to be a certain amount of exposure. And so if you're changing your... Although that hasn't actually felt like that happened in the last few years. And maybe that's the problem. I know many LPs who are doing that. I think that there were just dollars coming into the market. I mean, one of the other things we're seeing now, which is different from 10, 20 years ago, is there isn't a lot of question of does software matter? And is the internet a thing? Those are really big questions in the past. And that's just those questions are just been answered. Um, which is good for venture capital, but it does mean there's a lot of people that want to come into venture. So the L- the other LP dollars could come in to fill that. Mm-hmm. That's a, a good question is like, how about new LP dollars? Are you seeing, I mean, clearly there's been a lot of new LP dollars in the last couple of years, family offices and sovereign wealth and hedge funds and, you know, you name it. Any early signs of what that looks like right now and what that might look like in the next, few quarters? Like, does that just totally go away? Does it slow? Is there some new source of LP dollars that we're not thinking of that might come in? What do you think that looks like? The best I got is anecdotally bummer information. Generally speaking, it's I, I, you've named all the sources of capital and there might be a new family office that pops up because of something or not, or, or new, new more pension funds want to put venture into their allocation. Those things could be happening. They don't pre-announce it. There's no way for you to pull all that data. Um, I have been hearing of funds of LPs over the last three to six months having saying saying no more often, right? And this is not a, based on vintage. So I, I don't have an answer if you want. Is it earlier funds versus later? But there are ones who are who are passing because right now is just a tough time for them budget wise or strategies have shifted. I hear of GPs telling me that people just they sell a commit and then they don't send in the subdocs hmm. or the subdocs are a lot less. Um, I think that. Behavior existed before, but there was there was FOMO that was very motivational, and there could be again if you're an LP that's investing across broad strategies. It's not that you want to take venture out of your strategy, but there could be other strategies you think might work in a high interest rate environment hmm. or a high something else environment. Like I think what what we and we at SFR only do venture capital, so this isn't our world, but. I think what GPs sometimes forget is that for many LPs, venture has to compete for that dollar against other strategies that have got nothing to do with venture and how that plays out. So depending on how the world shifts, that can make things different for LPs. When you think across your existing managers today, or even at looking at new ones, what are the things that they're doing now that make you a very likely yes in as they come to market over the next six months, year or two? Like, what are the things that you, when you look across the, the, you're just like so grateful for that manager, those managers, aside from sending you money, um, which I assume <laughs> is this high on the list. But what are the other things that managers should be doing to, to get their LPs to a yes in the next couple of yeah. years, if they are maybe on the chopping block of yeah. the manager list? Okay, so I laugh, but it's not a it's not a, it's not a joke actually, because distributing money back to your LPs is a really great way to get them to say totally. Yes. Like, we, we, I, let's take that for granted. Take it for granted, but yeah. the caveat I'm going to say is that we're if we are now in a bear market, if we go into a recession, the opportunities to send money back to your LPs, LPs are assuming liquidity is going to be harder to come by. Put it that way, and it's also going to look at managers and say 
we were just in this great bull market. And if you were unable to pick companies that were un, that that didn't sort of find some liquidity, it's harder, right? Sure. Something really has to be compelling to believe it's going to be better in a tougher market than it was over the last eight to 10 years. So I think GPs should be aware of that because at least LPs tell me they're thinking that. Um, so aside from that, so let's say your portfolio is too young to have the liquidity question coming to bear. I go back to the communication, make sure LPs know where your head's at, what you're doing, and you can communicate one of a, we see multitude of ways we see sort of pop-up webinars. You can also, if you're going to read your deck, you may as well just send your deck and then have people do one-on-one. Some people prefer that. Some LPs want to have a group chat, whatever works. Um, we get video recordings from some of our GPs. Some of our, it's, it's sort of, you pick what your favorite mode of communication is. But we've had most of our managers reach out proactively to talk about the state of their portfolio, how it nets against where they think things are going. If you haven't done that, I encourage people to do that. Um, again, it, it really just goes to be like you can build relationship because when an LP feels out of relationship, it's the same way of a GP feeling out of relationship with a CEO. And I don't think LPs want to be calling their C, their GPs every day saying, how's it going? Right. We know you've got sure. a job to do. So yeah. I think getting ahead of that's helpful. And how you think your your mode of investing is going to work going forward. And again, I'm, I keep the different modalities are going to work. I mean, I don't know. Maybe syndicate is still going to be great. Maybe it's this is going to be a this is going to be a back to 2017 2018 market. And here's the lessons we learned from there. And so here's what we're going to do, or here's what we're seeing in valuations. Here's the entrepreneur, whatever whatever works. But what it is, it's giving you conviction about the kind of investing you're doing, and helping us to see with your eyes. Yep. Which I imagine, I mean, there's probably some also flip side of that is even if a GP has sent you a lot of money over the last number of years, but for some reason you don't believe in the strategy in the same way, or they've fallen off the map and you can't get in touch with them, or they don't seem fully committed to the next however many years, like, I assume that's also not a yes, correct? That makes it harder, 100%. Yeah. Um, you also hear LPs saying, or do LPs feel obligated just to do it if they if they made a lot of money on that manager? I, both can be true. Right. I've seen LPs do both. I've seen yeah. LPs say, "Well, I'm going to continue investing because it's basically money they gave you before," and and that's a completely valid answer. Yep. Um, there's also funds because they're successful in performing and want to scale up and switch swim lanes call it, they mature out of somebody's portfolio. Like if you're a fund of funds that just invest in seed funds and someone becomes an A or a B fund, like they might stop and it's not, it's more of a successful graduation and a reason for celebrating. Although not having an LP say no, I'm sure never feels like a celebration, but that's, that's, that definitely occurs. And I'm sure that will occur in the future too, that this will happen for some funds, even in this market. Yeah. So tell, can I ask you some questions? Can I Let's flip go. it around? Let's do it. What are you hearing that sounds similar to what you're seeing in the direct investing side of the world, right? Like we hear, just to throw some some tidbits out, that, and again, it's the summer, which might just be a, a tough context because summer is usually slower, but that companies aren't raising because they don't, the metrics have changed, so the bars are higher. And they also think GPs aren't rushing to deploy, don't want to be told no. So it's both, the deal flow might, the tourists might be leaving, Tourist entrepreneurs, tourist GPs, but also there's less deals to be done because people don't want to raise. And then when people do come back to raise, the metrics have changed. Is that true in your world or is different aspects of that? For sure. M- much of that is is true, at least with what we've seen the last, I'd say, three or four months. So we're definitely seeing fewer, meeting fewer companies and founders, not out of not wanting to, but just the pipeline is thinner. I think there's a lot of fear amongst founders at the moment. Certainly, if you spend any time on VC Twitter, you'd be terrified. So I recommend not doing that. <laughs> We're definitely hearing a lot of founders that are thinking about raising right at this moment, probably waiting till fall. A lot of the noise has been taken out of the market. Uh, there's definitely founders that I think a year ago when it was, you know, you could do a five-page notion and raise a $5 million seed round. I think there was a lot of that with founders that didn't necessarily have the right uh, motivations. So I, I actually think the a VC's job has gotten easier in that there's a lot less noise in the market. And the founders that we are meeting, although fewer, are legit and have the right motivations and could quite frankly raise in any market barring a 
financial catastrophe, which I, I don't think this is. Do you think, I just want to double click on that. Do you think the founders that are expressing the most fear are newer to being founders? So their experience has been much more 2020, 2021 versus 15, 16, 17, which this is scarier macro time for sure, right? Yeah, but I haven't, it wasn't I haven't, like money fell off trees then either. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's age specific. Like I think some of the, maybe the folks that have lived through a cycle or two understand that that this could be bad. Um, that have either lived through the dot-com or the financial crisis. The younger people, I think, are just scared because they haven't seen this before. And they're hearing from lots of folks that, you know, it's really rough times and you need to have years of runway and et cetera. My, my take, we were talking about this a little bit before the, before the pod, but I, I, I think of this as a normal, healthy market, particularly at the early stages. I can't speak to growth. Um, and I've heard that's much tougher right now. But I think of a normal market as like basically, I mean, I've been an investor for 10 or 11 years now. So 2014 through 2019 in New York felt normal, like healthy, like a lot of good talent, a lot of good founders, genuinely wanting to go learn and build great companies, raising the right amount of money for what they needed at a rational price, taking the time to get to know the VC that you're going to work with or is on your forward and vice versa, being thoughtful around that decision. I see all those same things now. The thing that was not normal was the last year or two where you had 24 hours to decide, shotgun, you know, marriages, raising $10 million that you had no idea what you would do with at seed at a ridiculous price that you'd have to grow insanely quickly to grow into. Like that, all of that was unlike anything I've ever seen and did not feel normal. So I, I think this market is pretty healthy. And and I we were also talking, I'm I'm I lean bearish. I know my bias. I'm actually leaning that bullish right now on this market because it feels like a good reset. Now, now I think the one big, I'll just, I'll say one more thing. I think one learning for founders in our existing portfolios is I think there were a lot of founders that got used to because this was the market, um, essentially expecting a fundraise to last a couple weeks or a month. I mean, this is similar to, I think, what we were talking about with GPs and VC, uh, GPs and LPs. Fundraising is taking longer. And that's not to say it won't get done. Like we are seeing things even at A and B, they get done, but they're getting done at a more reasonable price. And they're taking like, again, what it used to take, three months, four months. And you got to take a lot of meetings. And there may only be one or two term sheets at the end of that rather than 10 or 15. So I do think founders are starting to, to get the picture that like if and when we do fundraise, particularly at A and B, which is where we kind of are trying to get our companies to and beyond, obviously, but we're, 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 we're less, um, less involved beyond. But those things are taking longer. And you got to be ready to kind of, you know, strap on your armor and go to battle, so to speak. So, but again, I think that's all sort of signs of what historically has been a normal market. Yeah. Uh, the not normal on the other spectrum would have been fundraising is just not getting done, period. And that is, that's not happening. We're not seeing that, at, at least not at growth, uh, or, or at least at the early stages. We're not seeing that at seed AB. We're not seeing good companies not raise money. Excellent. It's good to hear. Um, and in keeping with that, do you see a change in the composition of your either competitors slash co-investors? And I, the background to that is, I don't have great data on this yet. We are trying to track this, but it feels like there's some folks who started funds in the last year or two who probably has invested a fair amount of it. I think they might be having a tougher time fundraising. And same thing with the, so I don't know if the makeup of the, in the, in the world that you play in, like the pre-seed first check, if you've institutionalized, I'm presuming they're still there. But if people are newer and coming in, I fear it's been harder for them to raise. Therefore, they might not be deploying. Are you are you seeing evidence of that? I'm hearing of onesie, twosie funds deciding not to raise. And I don't know if they're turning up, like dis dispersing the team or just saying, hey, we're going to manage our portfolio for a year and then come back to the market. Because 
you can do that, right? As a VC, like you're not, just because you're not fundraising doesn't mean you're not existing. You probably know better than I do at this point. I suspect folks that are struggling to raise are probably not that vocal about it just yet. No, but you'd see who shows up to compete for a term. Yeah, I don't think we've seen it just yet. Like, I think the reality for better, for worse, and it's also the reason why we haven't seen a collapse in pre-seed or seed prices. Mm. The reality is that we're going from a, in my view, we're going from a level where there was just an extraordinary amount of seed, pre-seed capital and, and number of firms. So even if we've dropped a little bit, it still feels like there's a lot of seed and pre-seed firms. So I'm more, I'm more interested to see how that, I think that needs to play out over the next six to 12 months. I don't have a theory and I don't, I don't wish poorly upon anybody, but I suspect some will go away. I, I think there's a lot of, certainly the angels that, like the angelist funds, I think will slow down. The angels that were maybe thinking about going into full-time venture, maybe some portion of those won't decide to. I think the core pre-seed and seed firms, and maybe I'm biased here because I'm hoping this is the case for us. Like I, I think the ones that want to continue to do it and are still hungry and want to build great long-term firms, I suspect most of them will get through this. But maybe there are some really newer ones. Like maybe there's a few that raised fund one a year ago, or maybe a touch institutional, but not fully institutional, deployed all that capital in the past year. I I suspect it'll be tough for those folks um, and not all will make it through. But I think the seed and pre-seed firms that are still committed that have raised over the last, call it five to 10 years, I I think they'll get through this. I mean, obviously it depends on how long this, this, this downturn lasts, but... In summary, what I'm saying is I, we have not seen a dramatic impact on competition at this stage. And I don't suspect we will see one, but I, I do think we'll see something. As part of that competitive landscape, are you still seeing a lot of the larger funds that raised either separate seed funds or had seed programs within their larger fund? Because I hear mixed data on this and I don't have... Yeah, they'll, they'll, it's hard to tell because the whole market is quiet. Like we're seeing That's less true. of less of everybody because <laughs> everyone's doing fewer <laughs> fewer investments. I will say our pace has not changed. Um, our pace was probably a touch slower than it was last year. Now it's probably similar in line with historically what we've invested from a pacing perspective. This summer was weird. I think a lot of people went away, took some time off. Like I, I think everyone's seeing a little less of everyone, and. I think fall and winter will probably be the the markers of what the next year or two look like. But I think everybody's, I mean, the market is slowing down. Across the board, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, and I think the late stage firms will do less seed. I would be really, I would be really surprised. For all the obvious reasons. Managing, managing existing portfolios, spending yeah. time where their largest dollars are invested, fewer deals, less FOMO around missing out at A and B. Um, if they don't get into the seed, I, I, I would be really surprised if you see the same pacing at seed from the, you know, Andres and the Sequoias of the world in the next few years. Yeah. And we've seen this before too. Like yep. they, they always say, they, they somehow always convince you when they write the blog post that they're forever committed to seed. <laughs> and then every few years they come in and they come out. So that also well, doesn't yes. feel, feel new to me. <laughs> no. No, it's not. As someone who's been in venture in some form or other since, yeah, 2000. Yep, that pendulum swings back and forth <laughs> for, for all yeah. of the reasons. Yeah. Part of the things that an LP, at least, and I'm sure GPs do too, listen for is the health of the portfolio is dictated by the health of the the revenue in companies or the, let's look at the revenues because if they're building and haven't yet put a product to market, there's other metrics, right? And we're you definitely see softening in the public market. Yep right, by all the stock reports that come out. And then presumably there's some sort of impact on the private companies. And that that goes to more of the, how long it takes you to get your metrics. Are you seeing any of that? Because it sort of goes to the question of how does a crystal ball align of, is this a blip? Are we going to come back out of it? It also kind of depends on, are people buying stuff and using yeah. stuff? Yeah, we are seeing a bit of it. 
I kind of think it similarly, I, I, I'm seeing it in like very idiosyncratic ways. So it's it's hard to draw a generalization across the whole market, but it's reminiscent in some ways of the beginning of COVID. Like you saw COVID impact underlying portfolio companies in very idiosyncratic ways. So like companies that had physical infrastructure and in-person stuff fell off a cliff. Companies that, you know, were all online or remote work or education or things of that nature, you know, went vertical. I think as we're coming out of COVID, plus some of the macro issues, you're seeing it again in idiosyncratic ways. Most of our portfolio is still relatively young. So they're not affected by macro in the same way that, you know, Facebook or Salesforce or, or, or a much bigger company would be. I mean, real estate, for example, feels like it's in, you know, full recession right now. So we're mm-hmm. seeing some of that impact some of the prop tech portion of the portfolio. Some of the companies that grew insanely quickly through COVID that were all online are starting to slow down. But for your average seed or Series A company, I, I think if you're if you're if you're blaming macro on slow sales growth, there's there's probably some other issue. Like you're so young, you're building in a huge market. Hopefully, you should be able to get to your first few hundred grand, first few million in ARR or sales, whatever the appropriate metric is, and not worry too much about macro. Like if macro is the issue, I think there's there's some other underlying issue. So that's what we're seeing. So it's hard to draw a generalization across the portfolio, but we are seeing the impact of the market in pockets. Let's end with both of our predictions. And this audio will exist forever. So we can actually go back and look at this, but I haven't even prepared mine. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about it while you go first. Darn, I was hoping to do the reverse. But that's cool. I'm curious to hear where you think the market is, you know, call it six months from now and maybe a few years from now and how you maybe put what we're going through in some historical perspective. Oh, that's hard. Um, okay, up for the challenge. I think the next six months will be probably tougher sledding on fundraising than GPs anticipate because of all the macro pressures. LPs live in a pretty macro world. and not um, It's hard to generalize, but I would say generally speaking. And I think LPs felt that for whatever reason, we're willing to increase their pacing over the last two years, but it was pacing that was faster than they were institutionally set up to run. So would be quite comfortable if it slows down, probably even for the next 12 months, because unless the exit market opens up, right, that feeder system isn't there. Right. So hard to see two or three years out. I, we're starting to, I'll say this, we're starting to, we're tracking, we're starting to put together some research around tracking how, how funds matriculate, like how many fund ones through fund fours can raise in a year versus five, six, seven, eight. And my guess is that there's always a break point around fund six and seven. And this has got more to do with succession and the proof of the experience and the portfolio development than it does with big macro things. And I think we'll see that pressure tested. Because there might be there might be some fallouts because LPs might not decide they want to re-up into a bunch of things. Or it could be a bunch of GPs are like, you know what, investing in a down market is nowhere near as fun as investing in a bull market, which is true from a fund meter scale point, mm-hmm. and might self-select out, which I think should make for a healthier market. But again, it's to your point, you never want to wish badly on anybody. Because if all the funds are successful, then everybody's just doing well. So why would we not? want to encourage that yeah so that's that kind of a wishy prediction but i do it's hard for me to see the next six months turning around and doing a 180 and becoming a, a thriving environment and on all the typical metrics just because the macro is very present and i'm glad to hear it hasn't slowed your portfolio companies but it's definitely you know there was a lot of fear of recession there's a lot of fear of recession in europe these things mean people are spending less it means it's more expensive sure that just has impact yeah right? and by the way it hasn't it maybe hasn't had a dramatic impact on the growth of the portfolio, but it's almost certainly had an impact on the multiple of the portfolio. Fair enough. And no, that's out of our control, right? Um, and yeah. every and every GP's control. Yeah. So okay, that was good. I'll go next. I'm not sure mine is wildly different. I will. I will say that, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but you can confirm this. Last year, <laughs> I always. I, I think VC Twitter is a very good pulse on what maybe not to do. And and I don't I I try not to watch much of it. 
Um, and I deleted Twitter, but I every once in a while sneak in. Last year, Margaret was ragingly bullish. Raise every 12 months funds. Every company is going to be worth, you know, a trillion dollars. And um, you will probably remember, like, we were pretty cautious and bearish. Mm-hmm. We invested pretty slowly last year. We returned a lot of capital. Thank you. This year, if you look at VC Twitter, it's like end of the world, so much gloom and doom, you know, worst recession since whatever, pick a date. I'm actually, I'm definitely comparatively bullish. I've seen one large cycle before through the financial crisis. This does not feel like existential to the system in a way that that did. I think this is a fundamental, healthy reset of what assets and companies are worth. And that needed to be done. And I think that in general, most of the most of the venture advice to founders is probably net too bearish. Like I think batting down the hatches and like making sure you have three to four years of runway is a wildly bearish view on what the market looks like over the next couple of years. I agree. I think the next six months or even 12 months are going to be flat and hard um, and historically normal, actually, in the market. And if you have a long view, which is our view, I think perhaps in the first time in a very long time, you're going to have the opportunity to invest in some companies at a rational price. The perspective, I think, for founders is you have to actually build good products and companies. Like There's just no other way around it. That was not the case in the last two years. And so I think it will force a lot of discipline. It won't be as fun, for sure, like you said, over the last number of years. Uh, It'll be like really hard, tough work to retain people and get them fired up and build new great things and continue to grow revenue in a tough market. But ultimately, that's the business that we're in. And so I think this is going to build a nice new discipline in a whole host of new um, founders and entrepreneurs. So I think we're fine. In other words, like we're going to get through it. It'll be a tough six to 12 months. And then hopefully the beginning of, a, of another news cycle. Normal, unfortunately, involves hard work. Someone said this to me years ago in my career. It's actually not easy to make money. And I think the last two years that didn't feel true. And that's, that's unfortunate, but it's just not true. It is actually hard to yeah. make money. <laughs> These are... Thank you so much. This was really fun. And uh, I always love these chats. So thanks for doing it with us. Me too. Thanks for having me. This podcast was created by Notation. Notation is a first check venture capital firm in New York. We work with technical founding teams from day zero. Notation companies are always hiring. Check out jobs.notation.vc. You can also find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. <laughs>